Scaled Up Nation, we are professional water treaters, and we need to know what's in the water, and the tools we use to analyze that water needs to be of the top quality. One of the tools that we use are dip slides to determine planktonic bacteria and fungi counts. Fluid Maintenance Solutions provides affordable, reliable, and quality dip slides. Fluid Maintenance Solutions can private label your dip slides with your company logo. Don't leave an empty box behind with your customer. Leave them a branded reminder of you and your company. Order before August 31st and pay only $14.95 per box of 10-count dip slides. Give Fluid Maintenance Solutions a call today at 405-612-7869 or go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash dip slides. Fluid Maintenance Solutions, quality dip slides you can count on. As a listener of the Scaling Up H2O podcast, you are looking for ways to learn more. NACE, the National Association of Corrosion Engineers, is helping us do this very thing. NACE's basic corrosion e-course is a knowledge-packed course that teaches us the science of corrosion, inspection and monitoring methods, and the different factors that determine the corrosion of the assets we treat as industrial water treaters. Go to nace.org forward slash scaling up and receive a $200 discount on the basic corrosion e-course through August 31st. NACE courses are recognized globally as the premier technical training for the corrosion workforce. Get started learning today by going to nace.org forward slash scaling up. Hello, Scaling Up Nation. Trace Blackmore here, your host for Scaling Up H2O, of course, your favorite water treatment podcast. And Nation, we are right smack dab in the middle of August, which means it is self-proclaimed. Who's it proclaimed by? Well, the Scaling Up Nation, of course, Legionella Awareness Month. Legionella is one of those things that if you are in industrial water treatment, you just need to know about. And I truly feel that the more that we as professional water treaters know, the more that we can educate people that can make a change in their water systems. So the whole month is dedicated to that. And today we are talking about testing. Lots of questions about different types of tests that are out there. So what I've done is I've contacted some people that manufacture these different types of tests. And by different, I mean tests that aren't considered the gold standard, but who knows, maybe someday they will be the gold standard. But Nation, as we know, there are different tests out there besides culturing, which is considered the gold standard. And those tests do have some application depending on what you were using for, even though today, right now, they are not considered the gold standard. As things go on, who knows? That might change, but it's important for us to know the different techniques that are out there and why we would choose one over the other and what we need to do with the results of those tests. So again, whole month, all about Legionella awareness. And today we are talking to Greg Rankin, CEO of Hydrosense. 
And he is going to talk about the tests that his company has developed. So Nation, please help me welcome Greg Rankin, CEO of Hydrosense. My lab partner today is Greg Rankin of Hydrosense. Greg, how are you today? Very well, Trace. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I can't help but notice, but you don't sound like you're from the States. No, I'm not. Actually, I'm, uh, I'm actually sitting in Edinburgh, Scotland, as we're recording this right now. I had the fortune to go to Scotland this April, and I got to tell you, I have never seen a landscape like that. It was some of the most beautiful landscape and, and nature and hiking and animals. You guys got some weird cows over there. I got to say that too. But it was just amazing. I can't wait to go back. Well, it's great to hear, Trace. Yeah, obviously, I'm a bit biased, but uh, I do love it. I think it's a, you know, it's a pretty special place. Um, go to lots of fascinating places, but it's always, uh, it's always great to come home. The scenery is really something else. I think two of my favorite places was in Isle of Skye. We hiked the ferry pools. Oh, wow. And that was just incredible. And then, of course, touring the Spey River and seeing all the wonderful scotches and how they are made and being able to sample some of those, I might add. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Uh, it's great to see how they're made, but obviously uh, the sample room at the end really uh, caps it off. What's your favorite scotch? Uh, mine's actually one from uh, Isla, uh, which is a little island uh, just a bit south of Skye, and it's called Lagabullen. Lagabullen 16-year-old, by far my favorite. Very smoky. I actually found my new favorite scotch, and it's hard to get here. I actually ha- I had to get it from an importer, but uh, Glenn Farkless, have you had that? Yeah, absolutely. Very nice. Probably a lot easier to get over there than it is over here. I'm sure, yeah. So, Greg, obviously today we're going to talk about Legionella, but I want the Scaling Up Nation to know who is talking to them about Legionella. So do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, certainly, Trace. Um, My name is Greg Rankin. I am the CEO of Hydrosense. I have been working, I guess, in high-tech companies, a variety of high-tech companies in uh, senior roles for Many years, I, I started in software and uh, been in all sorts of different forms of innovative technology uh, since then. And uh, you know, come into the water industry, uh, looking to move Hydrosense forward. Became CEO uh, last year, and you know, we've got some fantastic, uh, fantastic technology. It's the world's first and only rapid on-site test for Legionella. Can tell you whether you've got Legionella bacteria in your water within. 25 minutes. And that kind of mirrors what I've done in the rest of my career, um, you know, taking a very unique uh, kind of piece of technology uh, that, that solves a really uh, critical business need for, uh, for a particular industry and then um, making it uh, very successful and getting it widely adopted. And, you know, that's really what I'm uh, interested in uh, doing, you know, for the water industry. I, I think uh, testing is a Fantastic way of ensuring safety for people in the war industry. The war industry itself is, you know, really uh, incredible industry. There's lots of innovation going on right now, and lots of interest in uh, solving problems in a different way, which is uh, tremendously encouraging as well. Um, so, yeah, that's really uh, you know my background. Very much uh, different types of technology, and very much about uh, you know moving technology and bringing uh, helping industries move forward with it, and that's. Uh, Really, what I'm trying to do here at Hydrosense and uh, helping, I'm very proud to be part of uh, the war industry and uh, the efforts that they're putting in place to help protect people. Greg, we're going to be talking all over Legionella today, and we have to have a starting point. 
So with that, why don't we get the Scaling Up Nation up to speed? And I got to tell you, if they don't know what Legionella is by now, I don't know what rock that they've been living under, but let's start there. What the heck is Legionella? Sure. So, um, so Legionella is a bacteria. The funny thing is it's been with us for millions of years, but uh, until July 1976, we really didn't have a lot of evidence of, uh, you know, that there might be a big problem. But at the uh, 58th Convention of the American Legion, uh, which was held at a hotel, uh, the Bellevue Stratford in Philadelphia, um, it, some, a lot of people started falling ill. By the 27th of July, uh, the first death was reported, and there were, ultimately there were 221 pneumonia cases and 34 deaths. And this cause was uh, a real mystery, and um, it, it, it took a long time. In fact, it took until January of the following year when uh, Dr. Joseph McDade of the CDC managed to isolate the bacteria um, that was responsible from uh, clinical samples. And then that bacterium was also isolated from the cool hotel's cooling tower water. Um, so it was only at that point they realized that the pneumonia had been caused by a bacteria and it had been caused by... Uh, something within the environment of the hotel. And ultimately, then the realization came about that droplets containing that bacteria um, were the problem and, and the inhalation of them in and around the hotel were the cause. And in, in fact, in that case, 72 cases were patients that didn't even attend the convention or even go into the hotel. So, um, you know, it became obvious that it was a really quite a, a dangerous bacterium and a, and a dangerous problem. So um, at that point, it was named uh, Legionella and Eumophila, partially in, in, in honor of the uh, unfortunate Legionnaires that, that died in that, in that area. So, I mean, since, since then, um, that bacterium has you know, been studied uh, widely, and they've discovered that there's many others, not just within the – there's actually many others within the Legionella family. In fact, there's about um, 60 species and 70 serogroups within that. Uh, but only half, about half of those cause any form of disease, and, and most of it is non-serious. The one other notable is Legionella longbeachii, which is uh, a dangerous species that's uh, found in soil and, in fact, is one of the major causes of Legionnaire's disease in Australia, where it is, uh, is much more common. But most of the most virulent species are water-based, and the, the most dangerous of all of those waterborne species is really uh, Legionella pneumophila, which is the principal uh, focus for most um, investigations and is certainly the cause of most of the disease and the vast majority of human deaths as well. Well, a couple of years ago, ASHRAE came out with their standard on water management plans and CDC was involved with that. And CDC, of course, has their toolkit and they recommend that you come up with a plan. And normally those plans contain control measures but also testing. I think the water treatment industry has done a good job talking about the control measures and things that you should do. And if this, this is how you should act to that. But I don't think that there's widely enough information out there when it comes to testing. So I was hoping that we could help clear that up for the nation and talk a little bit about testing, why it's so important, what the different tests are out there, and then what are some things that we should be doing as water treatment professionals when it comes to testing? Sure. No, absolutely. Uh, that's a really interesting question, Trace. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you, people might say, well, well, why test? And in fact, in, in um, some of the documentation, 
it's often marked down as uh, uh, as an op- something you can do optionally. Um, my personal feeling is it, it it's really uh, a necessity to test. And I'll tell you a few reasons why. I mean, well, the first thing to bear in mind is that uh, Legionella bacteria is practically ubiquitous. If you um, do uh, PCR DNA testing in practically uh, every water course on Earth, virtually every fresh water course will have it. The, it, it. the vast majority of them globally will have a form of Legionella in the water. So it's going to get into water systems unless you run a completely sterile and completely closed system. So the question that everybody's probably asking when they hear the term, and everybody's heard it, that Legionella is ubiquitous. So why test for it? So Legionella in the natural environment is not really a significant risk. The reason being that the num- the quantity of the bacteria per liter is, is extremely small. The bacterium doesn't uh, breed very rapidly at lower temperatures as, as well. That's one of the things that controls it in the natural environment. So it really becomes much more dangerous when Legionella gets into water systems, managed water systems in the built environment where um, the right kind of temperature incline might um, allow it to succeed uh, and grow rapidly and also the um, the the exposure to to humans and and the creation of um, aerosolized water uh, that can be exposed to humans is is much more is much greater so so when, when the bacteria gets into the managed environment as we know then it can become much more risky so it's really about, I guess the answer to your question is, it's really about the population of Legionella, the, the sheer volume of it that makes it uh, a greater risk. So as well as Legionella being practically ubiquitous, it's also extremely resilient. One of the things that I find fascinating about the bacterium is that um, if it's shocked, so for instance, if there's a heat treatment on a water system or there's uh, a new introduction of a, a high level of biocide, then the bacterium can go into a viable but non-culturable form where it, effectively it's like a cyst. Um, to all intents and purposes, it appears to be dead. But when it comes into an environment where there, there is where the heat is reduced or when new nutrients are, are introduced to the water, then that viable but non-culturable dormant form of the bacterium can come back to life and can infect people and can unfortunately cause Legionnaire's disease that, that can kill. And so... The fact that it can go into these forms and become dormant in them when it uh, becomes shocked through biocide or, or heat treatment means that uh, systems are very, very, it's very, very hard to eradicate them, uh, these bacteria from a, from a system. It's possible for them to come back at a later stage, even uh, if you feel like you've, you've purged the system completely. And also it can hide in biofilm. It typically will uh, live in biofilm and find uh, the find uh, amoeba upon which it. Uh, it's a parasite of amoeba, and so it can often find the amoeba within the biofilm. And it could also, when it's in that biofilm, it can be resistant to biocides and heat treatments because it's protected from them in that uh, environment. So ultimately, um, total eradication and complete ster- ster- sterility of water, managed water systems isn't really practical. Uh, therefore, uh, and, and to typical uh, controls and treatments and risk management techniques will never be 100% effective. Therefore, I would posit that it's an absolute necessity to do testing in order to fully manage the risk. And I think, Trace, one of the, one of the most interesting things, is if um, we look at, there's a very, very wide-ranging study that came from uh, CDC, and causes of outbreaks in North America across 2000 to 2014. 
And within that, they noted that process failures uh, were the, ca- the cause of an outbreak in 65% of cases, human errors 52%, equipment failures 35 unmanaged external changes 35% again, and then more than one of those in 48% of cases. So the thing I find interesting about that when you look at all of those outbreaks is that testing could catch all of those. It could catch a process failure by detecting the bacteria in the water or a human error or equipment failures or unmanaged external changes. So testing, I see as a catch-all, the real safety net of the water industry when it comes to Legionella. And it's it's really imperative that, that we test in, in some shape or form. And obviously, there are many different types of tests we can undertake, but I think it's imperative that we that we do test. Now, if I were to download and look at the CDC toolkit, I'm fairly certain that I'm not going to see a comment that says you must test. Is that a correct comment? That is correct. It does actually say that testing is optional. Um, and so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think this is, you know, w- one of the areas that we need to uh, talk about more in the industry. I mean, as I've said, those all the causes of those outbreaks could potentially be caught uh, by testing. It's a real catch-all. If you're doing regular uh, testing with solid um, solid science, then it's got, you've got the ability to catch any other problems that might be in uh, in the works there. So I, I think it's it's an imperative. But you're right. Um, the CDC toolkit really focuses, I believe, on uh, law at a federal level. And uh, as it stands at a federal level, there is no requirement for testing. But like I say, for all the reasons I've outlined, uh, I think it's uh, it's ex- just um, it's really best practice for anyone that takes uh, you know the the risk of their uh, customers, employees, and the general public seriously. Greg, let me ask you this: Why wouldn't somebody test? What are some of the reasons that somebody just says, you know, I'm not going to do it? Well, I, it's funny you should say that, Trace, but one of the reasons I, I keep running into, um, which I, I find slightly horrifying, but I keep finding it again and again when I speak to people, is they say that they, are, they don't want to test because they don't want to have a positive result on their desk because then they would have to take action and there would be some form of legal responsibility upon them. And Frankly, I find that um, you know flabbergasting, but it's incredible how many uh, people I run into that, that say that. You know, at the end of the day, I would argue that that is a failure of the, the, the design of their water management plan because if they get that positive result, their water management plan should be extremely clear on what they need to do next. Um, and anyone who's running a system where they've got that level of doubt about you know what they should do when they get a positive test. And you know, they're just fearful of it. Uh, obviously, I would argue that they're uh, taking chances with people's lives by uh, avoiding it. It's a bit of a head-in-the-sand approach, but you'd be surprised uh, how often I come across it when I speak to people in the industry. Well, here in the States, unless you live in New York, it's not law to have a water management plan. And even there, it's only dealing with the cooling tower. So everywhere else, it's considered optional because legislation hasn't done anything with it yet. So I'm willing to bet that there are many people out there in the Scaling Up Nation that have heard those very words, I don't want to test because I don't want to find out I have to do something about a positive. So what advice do you have to the water treatment professional that's sitting across from a client that gives them those words? Well, I would say that the... uh need to help them understand a bit more uh, about the the risk generally, um, understand more about Legionnaire's disease, understand how common it is. I mean, w- one of the things that I find you know, also uh, educative is if you look at the CDC figures 
for uh, Legionnaires' disease across the United States, say from uh, 2000 to 2015, it's gone up by 400% in, in that time period. So, you know, th there might be a number of different reasons for that uh, growing quantity of Legionnaires' disease. Some of the ones that I've heard people suggest are the fact there's an increase in autoimmune diseases, there's uh, an increase in immune-suppressing medications, we've got an aging population, there's, it seems to be climate change with warmer weather and wetter conditions in some cases. And, and then, of course, you've probably got better diagnosis. But in some ways, that, the, the cause of um, you know, you know, why we're finding more almost doesn't matter because we're talking about a 400% increase in our knowledge of um, risk to people's lives. Uh, and also in terms of reputational risk, lit litigation risk, and so on, uh, our, our end customers are, are exposed four times as much to that now than they were in 2000. And, and the interesting thing as well, Trace, is if you look at that, that, that as a graph, that kind of growth on the CDC graph, and then you go across the Atlantic to uh, Europe uh, here, and you look at the European Center for Disease Control, that graph is very, very similar. So we're seeing a global growth in Legionnaires' disease, so, uh, and, and with all the risks to um, both people's health, but also to our, you know, our customers' businesses. Uh, as a result of that. So I would encourage anyone having those kind of tough conversations with their customers to, you know, help them understand about that, about that risk. Um, the, you know, the, one of the papers recently of research of legionellosis in, uh, in recreational waters basically showed that, you know, that for every outbreak, there's uh, about 11 cases of legionnaires disease per, per outbreak. So, you know, the, the impact on someone's business could be very, very significant. Legionnaires' disease is a, is a nasty condition. Obviously, it can kill. We know that. But it can cause long-term and potentially life-changing health effects in those that survive as well. So we really owe it to our uh, customers, employees, and the general public to, to help our customers understand how they can uh, best be prepared to and, and make sure that people, folk, people just aren't exposed to this uh, potentially deadly bacterium. I think that's really well said because I don't think we have any customers out there that truly want to hurt people. It's just they don't understand the problem that we are asking them to face for us to help them confront it. Yeah, and I think that the, one of the problems with the traces, I think some people find it difficult to talk about it because they don't want to feel that they're uh, trying to uh, trying to scare their customer and they're, they're, they're trying to kind of amp up the fear and so on. But actually, um, when I talk about these things, I literally just present the facts and um, to uh, customers and partners. And you know, when you look at the research and you look at the, the those figures I'm talking about, about the ri the rise in Legionnaires' disease, um, both in the United States and across Europe, and how those figures mirror each other, um, you know, just the bold facts really do make the case very, very strongly that we, whatever we're doing right now, with that 400 percent growth. Whatever we're doing right now, it isn't enough. We need to be doing more, whether it be in controls, testing, um, or maybe across the board. We need to be doing a lot more than, than we are doing right now. And it's a fact that the UK does a lot more than the United States does when it comes to addressing Legionella. I remember when I was over there, matter of fact, I was on our reindeer tour and I met a gentleman that pulled up in a uh, little car that was uh, screen printed and it talked about Legionella testing. So what a great person to meet on a reindeer tour, right? So we had a conversation about how different things were between the United States and in Scotland. 
And he could not believe that it wasn't a law. He couldn't believe that we didn't have to do certain things. And he said it was just a way of life over there. So what I was hoping is that you could maybe explain what are some of the things that you guys are doing over there, because we can probably expect that to be here sooner, if not later. Sure. So, I mean, one of the most interesting things, uh, I think, um, and that's been around for a long time, is the fact that anyone who runs a cooling tower in the UK has to register it. In fact, if you go on to any local authority website, you can actually usually see a map uh, and see where the cooling towers are. So uh, that's public domain information. Uh, Each of those cooling towers has to be tested minimum quarterly with a lab culture test and a lab culture test only at the moment. And uh, obviously, there are standards and more frequent standards or recommendations to measure controls and keep on, keep on top of the maintenance of the cooling tower as well. And in fact, Trace, it's not, it's not actually just the UK. In fact, a lot of Europe has this in place as well. In fact, there's a, uh, there's a federal ordinance in Germany, which is very similar. They have to uh, test the cooling towers every quarter. And in fact, legislation actually suggests they undertake bi-weekly tests in between those quarterly tests for uh, chemical and microbiological as well. And in fact, uh, we just had our, our test accredited for the for use for microbiological legionella testing for that bi-weekly test in, in Germany as well. So across um, the whole of the UK and then even across the continent uh, of Europe, we're seeing some pretty wide-ranging uh, activity to keep on top of not only cooling towers, but um, you know water tanks and potable water water systems as well. There's a fair bit of legislation to ensure that that water management companies are doing what they need to do to protect people. And uh, you're right; it's 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 it certainly isn't in place in a lot of other places around the world. And I I know in the United States, probably uh, uh, probably that's in the works. I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping it is because. Uh, it's, uh, it's an important facet of uh, that overall protection. And maybe we can get that 400% uh, growth to level off rather than keep going. You mentioned with the quarterly testing over in the UK, they will only accept lab cultures. So if you don't mind, can we talk a little bit about testing and what does it mean when you say lab culture? So lab culture testing, I mean, is effectively plating. So filter the sample of water, uh, getting the material from the filter and then put that on a plate and incubate that. And in fact, that's pretty similar to the method that Dr. Joseph McDade of the CDC made when he isolated the bacteria way back in January 1977. So the, the, the methodology and the technology for um, plating and, and growing Legionella, um, Legionella bacteria in order to enumerate it to work out what the color the volume, in other words, what the number of colony-forming units of the bacteria were in, say, a, a liter of water. That uh, technology has been improving, and there are many, many um, methods and standards in place. There's the ISO 11731, very well known, of course, CDC's own standard, and then a standard methods, uh, SM9260J as well. Um, the thing I find interesting about lab culture testing is that, you know, that, that there are so many different standards. Obviously, they're going to all perform uh, slightly differently, so and it's important for people to understand what that is. Well, but so one of the reasons that we see lab culture testing in those regulatory compliance frameworks uh, across the UK and across Europe as the core method is because it has been around. Um, it is the kind of core scientific method, and you know they, it, it, the culture method is a good method. 
for ultimate quantification or uh, typing of serogroups and species and so on if required, because obviously you're culturing the bacteria, so you're growing it, so you're getting a greater volume of the bacteria upon which you can perform other typing experiments and so on. So from that point of view, uh, it's, it's very good. But ultimately, the recovery rate of that lab test is typically um, much lower than, uh, well, in fact, our test or PCR testing. So one of the things, uh, so you can get recovery rates anywhere from 30%. And by recovery rate, obviously, what I mean is if you send um, 100 samples that are all laced with Legionella pneumophila bacteria, send them all to a lab, how many will the lab uh, send back to you and say that they are positive? they send 100 back, that would be a 100% recovery rate. If they send uh, 30 back, that would be a 30% recovery rate. Uh, if they said that 30 of them were positive. Effectively, it's the, 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 the accuracy, obviously. Um, so you can see recovery rates vary from, say, 30%, which would be a non-ISO, uh, pretty poor lab, up to about 80% at the very high end. And that would be a real uh, first-class ISO or CDC standard lab would probably be able to get up there. But again, even if you um, send samples to multiple different labs who are all following the ISO standard, I guarantee you'll get different recovery rates. So it's, it's worth bearing in mind that that error is in there. And the other thing is if you actually look at the ISO standard, the latest version of the uh, ISO Water Quality Enumeration Legionella document, 11731, that says that they did a multi-country intralaboratory trial uh, as part of that study. And the recovery rate uh, they've documented in there is over 64%. So the ISO standard itself says that 35 times out of 100, they'll come back with a false negative. So that's you, on the face of it, you say that's kind of worrying. That's what's in the legislation. That's the core test, the one that everyone considers to be the gold standard. It seems a bit odd that it, it, it doesn't have a higher accuracy level. Uh, but then you start to look at it and say, why is it so low? Why is its recovery rate low? A number of different reasons for that, that, all of which are very interesting and relate, and some of them relate to the fact that it's, a, it's such a fascinating bacteria. So Legionella has a complex life cycle. It's pleomorphic, so it changes its its shape and, and size and its life uh, cycle and style as it as it goes through its life. Uh, it's a parasite of amoeba, so it will actually invade an amoeba, replicate very rapidly when it exhausts uh, the resources of that amoeba. The growing Legionella will actually grow a tail at that point. Uh, a flagellum, uh, and they will exit the amoeba and begin swimming in uh, open water or through the uh, biofilm again, in search of another, um, uh, in search of another amoeba in order to begin the life cycle yet again. And it's in that phase that it is so incredibly virulent and incredibly dangerous, because uh, it's at that time if it's inhaled, uh, it will mistake one of your lung macrophages for an amoeba. It will invade that lung macrophage and begin replicating rapidly, burst out of that lung macrophage invade the next one, and that's how Legionnaire's disease is caused. So it, it's it's very complex, but obviously it's seeking an amoeba. If it's in that form when it's in the sample, it's looking for an amoeba. It doesn't. It's not going to find an amoeba on a culture plate. So clearly there's going to be some inaccuracy um, in that there. Then the other thing is that other bacteria will be in the sample. No sample is purely pure water and then just Legionella. There will be other bacteria and those can dominate the plate. Uh, they can uh, dominate and even predate on the Legionella in the sample themselves. And the way that the ISO standard uh, allows for treating a plate is, is it literally will be taken out after a few days. And a physical subjective e examination, again, uh, adding some variability depending on the, 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 the skills of the, 
the person in the lab, but there's, I think, a subjective decision on what is on that plate and which of the bacteria don't look like Legionella. And then those can be acid or heat treated in order to kill those other bacteria to allow the Legionella to, to uh, grow more effectively on, on the plate within that lab culture test. Obviously, that acid and heat treat, treatment could potentially kill Legionella on the plate, thereby causing a low count or a false negative. And then, of course, I'd mentioned viable but non-cultural bacteria before. These have been proven to be able to cause Legionnaire's disease and to kill people. Uh, and yet, when these bacteria, which are, I'll remind you are like a cyst-like form, when they are brought into a lab culture environment, uh, as the name suggests, they are non-culturable. They will never be detected by a lab culture test. And then on top of all of this, you've got to add the fact that the lab culture test can take 10 or more days, 10 to 14 days sometimes, to get a result, which is too slow for many applications. Imagine taking a test of a decorative fountain in the lobby of a hotel. How many people might have walked past that in 14 days by the time you get the result? So that kind of 10 to 14 day gap is, is really quite worrying because you're either going to get a positive result and people have been potentially exposed for up to for 10 to 14 days to the bacterium. Or you're going to get a negative result, which is effectively meaningless because Legionella bacterium can double in population within 24 hours. So you could be getting a false sense of security or an answer that is just too late. And, and that, for me, is, is why we need to, you know, lab culture testing is very useful. But ultimately, when it comes to microbiological testing, I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, water management professionals need more than one information point in order to be sure they uh, know exactly what's going on in their water system. And obviously, your company has developed uh, a new way to test for Legionella. Uh, and my understanding is not to replace the lab culture because that's what the municipalities, that's what legislation is looking for to verify. But this is for more data in between those. Is that a correct way of saying that? Yeah, that's right. I mean, Trace, the, the, ultimately, uh, lots of regulatory compliance frameworks uh, still look to lab culture. Um, those frameworks uh, often move at a fairly uh, glacial pace in terms of the adoption of new technology. But, you know, so we're not um, mandated, but the vast majority of our customers use our test because it gives them a result immediately. Uh, it gives them an extremely accurate result. We've got a very high recovery rate and um, we've got a wide variety of tests. It, it operates very sim in a very, it's, a, it's a, an antigen test. I mean, the, the full name is a lateral flow immunochromatographic assay. So it uses the antigen on the bacteria to detect the Legionella pneumophila bacteria. It looks very much like a pregnancy test. You, you apply a 100 microliter sample to one end, and that sample can be uh, heavily filtered in order to get greater sensitivity. And then once the sample runs, and it takes about 25 minutes for it to run on the test, exactly like a pregnancy test, if you've got two lines on the test, you've got a positive You've got one line on the test, you've got a negative. So it's, it, it's very simple to undertake. It's very fast. You can take uh, actually multiple samples. Let's, some of our customers would test, say, 50 hotel rooms in an underused part of the hotel. They'd be able to take those samples and run all of those tests um, kind of in parallel. So it's, it's extremely efficient as well. And so you know, what, what, it, what it does, obviously, is it gives you a positive or negative. Uh, and so as a result of that, you know, it's important that uh, people have a, an action level. What, what is the action level? You know, do, should, should we be taking action 100 CFU a liter, 
in EU legislation, um, 1,000 CFU a litre has taken immediate action for a cooling tower and 10,000 CFU a litre is a begin monitoring more deeply kind of action level. So we have tests that will give you a limit of detection, will we'll actually give you a positive at 100, 1,000, 10,000 CFU or 100,000 CFU. So all of the orders of magnitude. And what that really does is it, within 25 minutes, it gives somebody an, a bit of actionable data. Some, the, I've got a positive. I know there's something not right here. There's, there's, there's definitely a heightened risk. I should take action on this system that I'm testing. And, and obviously... So would you recommend that somebody would take a battery of tests with them for all the different positive counts? And if they get a positive, keep working their way up? Yeah, potentially. That, that's, it can be a good way of homing in on a problem. If you know you've got a, a problem in a, in a water system somewhere, you can certainly go back, you know, back up the flow, as it were, uh, in order to try and detect where the, the problem may be happening to, you know, maybe home in on where that dead, dead leg might be in the system or, or um, you, you know, where, where that problem may actually be localized. That is certainly a, a good way to, to use the test. And in fact, uh, again, in an outbreak situation, because our test is so fast, it's uh, fantastic for kind of zooming in. Um, when you look at some of the outbreaks that keep unfortunately getting in New York State, um, using our test in that kind of environment where you can uh, go in and just test all those cooling towers and get an indicative, uh, I, the, you know, cooling tower number four looks like it's got a, a, a serious problem. You know, and get that indicative answer very, very quickly is obviously quite important. Now, will using your test in New York City satisfy what the city or the state is looking for? When you look at regulatory compliance frameworks, Trace, I mean, typically they're very prescriptive about the type of test that needs to be undertaken. And it comes back to that. So the good example, actually, is that federal ordinance in Germany, where so every quarter they insist on that mandated lab culture test. And that's your kind of heartbeat box checking, if you will, test that must be undertaken. And so our test won't fit into that right now because, as I say, regulatory compliance frameworks are relatively slow to adopt new technology. But our test is um, a fantastic tool for uh, identifying risk where you, you think that there, there may be additional risk. So like I say, in Germany, our test is accredited for use in that kind of bi-weekly test. So quarterly, they have to do a lab culture test, but our test can be used uh, for the every two-week microbiological test that is suggested within that ordinance. So um, our test has a role to play and would be extremely useful in New York. Is it mentioned in their legislation right now? No, but I would uh, be very keen to work with the authorities to help them understand where it could fit because I think it's got a lot to offer. When you were speaking about the lab culture, you mentioned about false positives and false negatives. What can be expected with your rapid test? So our false positive rate is incredibly, incredibly low. Our recovery rate is over 80%, so much higher than lab culture testing and uh, approaching PCR. But the false positive rate is extremely low in the low sing very low single digits. Uh, there's, uh, and in fact, there's a couple of fairly rare and fairly esoteric um, biosized bigonides one of them that will that will cause a, a false positive, but those are all documented within the test, so those can be um, eradicated um, 
and shouldn't, shouldn't you know, shouldn't be used on a system that uses something like bigonide. So your recommendation is, you know, obviously we have to follow the law, but in doing that, now we have to pinpoint where that Legionella is coming from. And obviously, if we're waiting 14 days for a lab culture to come back, that doesn't make sense at all. Or if we're waiting for the next series, maybe we're doing quarterly testing or whatever is written in that management plan. This is an intermediate test that we can do to give us some more information to not only help the public, but also help us better management the plan, to better manage the plan. Did I, did I get that right? Yeah, absolutely, Trace. And I think one of the key things to bear in mind there is when you look at regulatory uh, compliance, and this is another conversation I have with a lot of end users as well. If you look at that regulatory com- compliance framework, you know, I often say to people, um, you know, what, how much testing are you doing? And they say, well, what's mandated by law? And uh, they say, I say, so we, you're testing your cooling tower once a quarter and that's it. And they, they say, and some of them, some, many of them uh, are doing a lot more than that, but some will say yes. And, and then I say, well, what happens if the uh, gentleman that's doing your testing uh, is one day late and then you're out of compliance and you're in a world of potential litigation pain and so the kind of lessons i've taken from speaking to a lot of people around the industry and the way a lot of people manage their water systems is it's definitely best practice to you know aim way above that regulatory bar Um, you know don't just do the minimum mandatory requirement of lab culture testing try and protect your you know protect your customers employees and and the general public at a higher level than than the minimum if you if you will and that's really where our test is very good is for helping manage that risk and uh, helping to raise the bar so that you're doing a bit more than just checking the boxes i think that's a great point we all have an obligation to make sure we're not only keeping people safe but you know as somebody like me i don't own the equipment so i can't make anybody do anything but when we do have more options, we can allow that client to make better decisions. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Trace. Greg, do you mind sharing some success stories with your test? Yeah, sure, Trace. I mean, I'll give you a good example. We presented to a wide number of uh, local authorities across the UK last year. And as part of that, um, there was, uh, you know, a lot of them were very interested um, in using the test in a wide variety of different situations. And we gave out um, a number of free samples to that group and folks went away. And then within a few days, actually, we got a call from a gentleman at one of the local authorities where he had uh, undertaken our test in a spa setting. Um, It was a public spa, uh, heavily used. He got a positive on the spa. Um, I believe it was a uh, biofilm swab test of ours that you used. And because of that positive result, he closed that spa at that time, and he took a sample and sent it to a lab. Uh, Two weeks later, he got the result back from the lab, and it was, in fact, positive. Uh, So I think, you know, if there's there's one success story I like to hear, it's uh, something where we've uh, helped protect people, and and that's a great example right there. Um, You know, there was two weeks uh, where potentially if they had just relied on a lab culture test, they would have uh, those folk, any folk using that facility would have potentially been exposed uh, to Legionella. So, for me, that's a big win. And uh, uh, obviously, I think that really speaks to the the speed of the test and getting immediate actionable information. Greg, if somebody wants to find out more information about your test, where should they go? 
in the United States, we have a couple of great partners right now. Uh, Loverborn Tintometer, uh, Stock Art Test, and so do Aqua Phoenix. Um, so those are great partners of ours. But if you also want to just come to our website and read uh, our blog and find out more about it, then if you go to hydrosense-legionella.com, and uh, you'll be able to find out um, uh, about it there, or even just search Hydrosense on Google, you should find us pretty quick. Well, I want to commend you for finding new tools that we can use to make our job better, to make us working with the customer better, and coming on Scaling Up and letting us know some of those tools that are available to us. Thanks very much, Trace. It's been a real pleasure being on Scaling Up, and uh, yeah, hopefully speak to you again soon. Scaling Up Nation, our job is all about knowledge, and the more knowledge we have about the tools that we can use out there, the better we are going to be in our job and the better information we can spread to people asking us questions about our job so they can ultimately make better decisions. I am glad that you are listening to these shows. I'm glad that you're sending in your questions to me. At the end of the month, I am answering all of the questions that I received about Legionella. So if you asked a question, we are going to get your question answered so you can do that very thing. Become more aware of Legionella and share that information with somebody that can make better decisions. Folks, I hope you decide to tune in next week when we are answering those questions. And I also hope that you keep your general questions coming about what you want me to answer on this show. I hope that you have decided that you are going to do something about Legionella. Maybe it's how you're educating yourself, how you're educating your customers, or just something that you're deciding that you're going to do different so people do not have to suffer with Legionnaire's disease because we're all making better decisions out there. Until next week, I hope everybody out there stays safe, and I will talk to you next week. Scaling Up Nation, on episode 136, you heard from four members of the Rising Tide Mastermind. One of those members was Eric Russo. And Eric is an extremely busy individual. And I asked him the question, how he found the time and why he decided to join the Rising Tide Mastermind. Here's what he said. Like most people in the water treatment industry, there's always a struggle with work and life. And I had a daughter on the way and I was probably a little more mindful of how much I was working and how I can adjust my schedule or, or make it in such a way that was sustainable for my family. And this conversation is a little more difficult when you don't have people in the water treatment industry because they don't understand the travel aspect, the service aspect, the technical uh, knowledge needed to be successful it's a little more difficult to, to balance that. So to have a group of like-minded individuals to work through with the goal of self-development, it's really helpful to kind of hash through those problems for me. Have you ever noticed that if you want something done, you give it to a busy person? Why is that? Why do busy people always seem to get something done? And we always wonder why, but there's a secret to that. Most busy people, if they're busy on the right things, it means that they are successful and they've learned to say yes 
to the things that help with their success, however they define success. Think about that. When was the last time you thought to yourself, how do I define success? Well, those are some of the questions that we ask in the Rising Tide Mastermind. And Eric asked himself, if I join the Rising Tide Mastermind, will this make me a better husband? Will this make me a better father? Will this make me a better water treater? And Eric has told me that it has done all of those things, and he is sure glad that he decided to join. Folks, I cannot say enough good things about being involved in a mastermind group. I ask that you go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to see if being a member of the Rising Tide Mastermind is right for you. And if you decide that it is not, please find a group that is right for you. When we get together with other people that are concerned about everyone's success, everyone gets better and the tide rises all boats.